0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the NPL Victoria pod here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan back in the studio. Postseason review time. It's all happening here at the moment, obviously. Uh, not as much news this week in terms of coaching appointments and whatnot, but... It's still plenty happening. I mean, in terms of transfers and stuff, the silly seasons in full well, swing. Well you say off. plenty happening. It's pretty much all happening at Hume City at the oh, moment. Oh, really? Just at one. It's centered around. It's one Centralized, part of the
1: epicenter of the business is happening at Hume City. Is it City? Valley Park?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's exciting, is it not? Because I mean Hume City are one of the teams who are expecting to be busy this offseason. And they're getting busy early. They're not they're not wasting any time. They want to get guys in early for preseason. So they've obviously gotten busy. Made some transfers, and we'll get into that in just a second. We'll also jump into some of the coaching appointments in the past week. Eastern Lions and Werribee City announcing new coaches this week. And then we'll get back into our reviews, our off-season reviews, our post-season reviews, whatever you want to maybe put it, however way you want to spin it. Um, We'll be taking a look at some of the sides. Obviously, last week we looked at South Melbourne, Port Melbourne, and Oakley. But today we'll be looking, as promised, Green Gully. We're also going to be looking at Bentley Greens, Heidelberg, and Avondale. So four teams today. We'll get them all in, uh, but before then, Lockie, as mentioned, let's go to Hume City. Let's have a look at some of their transfers because they've made three big deals this offseason. They have. They have. I thought you were. I thought you were. Yourself, the, right? I thought you were going to rattle off the.
1: I thought you were going to going to rattle off the list, Nick. Well, they they started. I mean, a big way in terms of not just the signing. But the actual physical stature of the player was where they started their business, as they signed from the Dandenong Thunder. Did this catch you a bit by surprise, Nick? Thomas Maricic. yeah, coming across from George Andrews to Valley Park. That is a mm. big signing in just about every sense of the word, as I yeah, say.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's a big signing. It's a it's a good signing. We know Hume did need some uh, reinforcements in the defensive half, and Tom Maricich is a great pickup sort of really fits that need as someone in the heart of the fence for them. Um, The second signing lock at the other end of the pitch, probably the one I'm most excited about is Yagub Mustafa coming across from Bentley Greens. Um, We saw how damaging he was towards the end of last season when he got back from injury and had that game-winning performance in the Doherty Cup final. He's someone to certainly keep an eye on next year, add something in that attacking third alongside the likes of Josh Bingham. I really like this deal. And to round it out so far, we can expect that this is maybe the third of many signings, I reckon, this offseason. They've brought down from Queensland, following the well-trekked path down from the Sunshine mm. State. Zach Maltby from Lions FC making his way down. And if history is anything to go by, Lockie, those that come down from Queensland, down to Victoria, tend to be hits. We've seen Henry Hall. We've seen Max Mikola, We've seen, well, sort of that's probably most in recent times, some of the few that obviously went to South Melbourne. But Zach Maltby could be a very, very handy addition uh, for the Hume City attack. Again, they've already re-signed as well, Josh Bingham. They've re-signed Rory Bryan. They've re-signed Mitch Cooper as well. So busy, busy times at Valley Park events. Yeah, day.
1: absolutely. Just quickly on the the your Good Mustafa thing. I mean, he was so exciting for Bentley. He was obviously the hero for them off the bench in that, uh, in that Doherty Cup game. The Doherty Cup final, of course, which they eventually got to come from behind, win against Oakley. If he stays fit, because that was sort of the problem with him this season, is he had those sort of injury concerns, was in and out of the side. Yes, he was the hero for Oakley, but it was a cameo mm. off the bench. If he can stay fit and replicate that sort of impact across a whole season, he's going to be, yeah, a, a competition leading player. As for Maltby, a player that admittedly I don't know much about, but Honestly, you know, coming across from uh, a very solid Lions side who have had a, a great season up in the or Queensland, um, you know, he, he's the kind of player you, you look for as an attacker. And, yeah, I mean, if him and Mustafa are firing, that's going to be pretty exciting. What I really did like, though, most of all about the signing of Zach Maltby was the graphic design work yep. from uh, from him. I have enjoyed their, their, their graphics yeah, work recently. Really yeah. I, I couldn't help but notice that there was a big... Orange uh, circle that was clearly covering up the the Lions FC badge. I, I'm yeah. not sure if human and and Lions FC have some. Uh, pre- well, the, the Bentley Greens one is also blotched out in the um. No no no, the, and one, and so. the same for Thomas Maricich and the Dandenong yeah. Thunder badge. So I so I understand, but it's it just the other ones are a little bit more uh, seamless, shall yeah. we say? And I understand why because of the design of the kit, but it's just like. Are we really that oppositional? Do we have to forget where these you know, do we have to ignore where these players come from? Like we all know who they
0: are. No, absolutely. Um but yeah,
1: I'm, I'm as you said, Nick, the, the the path from Queensland to Victoria usually works pretty well. Maybe we can um get a, a scouting report on uh on Zach malby from from Ben Kahn, perhaps.
0: Potentially. Potentially. I mean he's probably already gonna be well averse to what to expect from Zach Molpe when they eventually play each other, Melbourne Knights and Hume City. Uh so that's something certainly to keep an eye on in the weeks to come, just seeing how busy Hume City are. But as other teams, sooner rather than later, we can expect that similar announcements are going to be made. Uh, On the coaching front, Eastern Lions have announced a third coach in a year now. Obviously, Kosti Pushkashu was the coach heading into 2022. Uh, He left midway during the season, was replaced by Andrea Lombardo, and he's now been replaced by the new coach of Eastern Lions, their under-21s boss, Chris Grecian. Who obviously coached St Kilda and Albion Rovers. It's not the Saints. Uh, but he was fortunate enough to. In and not West Bromwich Albion. No, no. Uh, he caught, coached, obviously, the under 21s last year, and he's been promoted to coach their senior men's side in MPL 2 next season. Uh, best of luck to Chris. I mean, to, it's going to be a big task to see what he can do with Eastern Lions after a really tough year where they were relegated quite, you know, they were, they were battered last season and really not really given much of a hope or much hope at all. So. We'll see what he can do. His first real taste of coaching an NPL side at senior men's level. Uh, it's good to see some fresh blood potentially getting an opportunity. So yeah. I'm excited to see how he goes.
1: Oh, and I guess to promote the, the under-21s coach sort of fits in with the, the prevailing ethos, I suppose, that we saw in the back end of the season at Eastern Lions. Uh, happy to sort of play the kids. And if that's something they plan to continue with in the MPL too, uh, which I guess it's it's easier to do so. Um you know, why not sort of go with the guy who's got that sort of inside track on on the best the best youth coming through. So yeah, that'll be um interesting to, to see how he uh how he works for the Eastern Lions in what will be uh, a very difficult season for them. I'm not I'm not as uh despairing as as perhaps you and others who have Prophesized a potential double relegation, but uh yeah, I you think. Never said that. Mm, yeah, I feel like you might have speculated. We both might have speculated. I said that,
0: that maybe they're in danger if they don't get their signings right. Yeah, I don't think that. I think they never said flat out. they go away, Oh, I think they? there
1: was some definitely. Maybe to, to after, be fair, maybe
0: after some of the big losses. After last the year, seven nil like, loss, <laughs> after the seven nil loss to Green Gully, <laughs> yeah. you're like,
1: oh geez, oh geez. Um, I, I don't true. think they're. I don't think they're going to be aiming to to go straight back up. Mm. Um, it's so. Be tough.
0: The other bit of coaching news for a team that probably will be battling relegation in MPL two next season, considering the fact they survived literally with one of the final kicks of the season. And they have won the game. So, yep, they they have won the game. Um, and for, yeah, for Brunswick Juventus fans, we sorry we're sorry to remind you of that that sad Saturday in August. Um, well, at least for Brunswick Juventus fans, that is. Uh, Werribee City have announced a new coach, Dominic Barber, uh, a well-averse coach in MPL circles, uh, making a return to the MPL this year after coaching at Banyol in State League One. Obviously coached the Bullion Lions, coached at Geelong Soccer Club as well. But now he has taken up the reins at Werribee. Um, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a big job for them because they, they survived literally with that last kick and with an expanded league as well. Um I think a lot of people will be tipping Werribee to go straight back down, or not go straight back down, but to be at least in the mix of that relegation battle next season. So I think Don Barber has got a really, really, really big sort of uh, task to potentially go for this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I've, I think you've just about said it, Nick. It's a, it's a big task ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. We have a commenter on our Twitch as well coming through. You want to get through your comments on Facebook, on Twitch, wherever it might be. Uh, from boy, is it B boy? say that one, Lockie. I'm not sure, but uh, keep uh, the, make keep sure the... you give us give us the connect connect uh, connect. Can't even speak connect correct four. pronunciation in the uh, in the in the comments. Volpardo to Hume City. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I would much rather if Christian Volpardo went out on a loan deal, it be to a lower Serie A team or a Serie B side or somewhere in Europe. Probably not to Hume City, but if Hume City signed Christian Volpardo. Jesus Christ, that would be one hell of a sighting. I don't know where they'd be able to pull that one from. Uh, but no. Volpardo, definitely not too. Easy. Actually, the, probably uh, it's from YouTube. Sorry. I've only seen the screenshot of it because as we've be as people may have said, it's the, you know, the the TNC, NPL Victoria podcast crossover. And uh, the second that Josh Parrish saw it on YouTube, he sent it straight into our chat and said, get on this. Are we are
1: we sure that you know it, it'd be quite a thing for for Christian Volpato to go from the uh, the, the Stadio Olimpico to the uh, Stadio Brodmerico? That would that would or be playing at Campbell Reserve. That next would year. be quite something.
0: Yeah, playing at Campbell Reserve next season in away days against Morland City, it would be something. Uh, but no, I yeah to to answer your question seriously, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, anyways, so that's. But the majority of the off-season news that we have seen, obviously still awaiting coaching appointments at Bentley Greens, FC Bullion Lions, Nong City and Altona. Oh, sorry, Altona, St Albans. Altona obviously announced John Markovsky last week. Um, so hopefully in the, in the days and weeks to come, we can get some concrete announcements. This is
1: pure speculation, Nick. Pure speculation. I'm sure he would have been there regardless. But uh, I did see a photo come across my desk. Uh, during during the week of the St Albans Dynamo end of season celebrations and the handing out of the the, um, the, the Mickey Choliner medal. Oh. And uh, Mickey himself uh, was there and I couldn't help but think because I saw the photo, I was like, he couldn't come back. I we doubt couldn't it. see him again. I doubt it.
0: Could we? I doubt it. Uh, I don't
1: know. I, I don't think it. so either. I, I just, there was just a brief moment where I saw the photo. You never
0: know, but I, I doubt it. And I was like. Surely not. Let's be realistic, Lockie. I, Surely not. I really doubt it. it uh, again, though, MPL Victoria always finds a way of throwing up surprises. So I mean, he w- he was
1: most recently. I don't know if he's he's planning to stay at at uh, Strathmore. I believe is where he was, and I think they might have yeah, gone Strathmore down. Yeah. Um, You think surely not, but
0: look, stranger things have happened. Mm. We've seen what I mean. Who would have thought that, I guess, John Markovsky back for a fourth (laughs) stint at Altona Magic? What a a window that would be. Markovsky and and Cholina (laughs) returning. What's next? We're going to get like, all right, who's another coach that might return then? We're going to get, I don't know, uh, trying to think who else could come back. Hmm. What, Johnny A is going to? come back down from Western United. Well, and, I mean know. the, the greens <laughs> coaching <laughs> for position for is vacant. Is that it's vacant. Next? Uh, but anyways, Lockie, let's leave the off season news for just a second. Let's get into our post season or yeah, 2022 reviews. We, we, we hinted at, you know, Green Gully last week and we promoted that. We said, we we're going to talk about Green Gully, but we actually ran out of time. We did the top three and we left out Green Gully. And we are talking about when we promoted the top four. So, that's where we will start today, off the top, going with Green Gully after their season. Finished in fourth, um, quite a comfortable finish in fourth, obviously. Couldn't really catch Oakley, but had a bit of a gap on both Bentley and Heidelberg, at least from, well, not really, well, three points, but it was in the scheme of things, how tight things were on that final day. It was a sizable enough gap that they could go into the final day with a bit of comfort. Well, then they, yeah, pretty, they much through that. That. Yeah. pretty much threw that, that game. Considering Bentley, Heidelberg and, and Avondale were all playing for their lives in that final day. So Green Gully, fourth, uh, made it to the semi-finals after beating Bentley 2-0 and then lost against South Melbourne 1-0 at Lakeside Stadium. Feels like such a long time ago now, that game. It's, uh, mm. it's was, well, It was now about four weeks ago. Um, but let's get into it, Lockie. What did we like about Green Gully this season? For me, I'm just going to say quite straight up, the fact that they were right up there again. I mean, it's been a few tough years for Green Gully, but the fact that they were able to, you know, sort of climb the standings and you know, secure a home final. I think it's been in that sense to get to a semi-final as well, When not many people, I think a lot of people to tip Bentley to beat Green going in that elimination final as well, um, that they were able to emerge from that and push South Melbourne right to the limit and fall just short of a mm-hmm. grand final. I think it's all in all, it's a pretty good season. Yeah,
1: and oh, I think that that's very fair. I mean, it's, it's easy to forget. Yes, they have been sort of um, a team who have finished in, finals positions on a on a number of occasions throughout the NPL, but four is their equal best NPL finish. So that's look, that's a that's a, a pretty good result. I, I I look there's plenty of sort of honorable mentions to go throughout the season. Uh they probably were involved, I think, Green Gully alongside South Melbourne in my favourite nil or draw of the season, um, because it was just a, a night. You for... always
0: talk about the famous nil. I love
1: I love this game so much. Yeah. The goalkeeping was just so good. Um, I like the way they played their football. I like the players that they integrated. And actually the, the integration of – or the, the new players is kind of what I th- liked the most about their season was their actual off-season yeah. activity. I mean, cast your mind back to, to January, you know, Feb, Nick. Green Gully were the talk of the town. Yeah. With all the exciting players, a lot of particularly uh, ex-A-League players that mm-hmm. they brought in, Gianluca Yanucci, Josh Hope, Yarrat Abitou and really commanded attention. Noel
0: Bonnarder, if you're not talking about Noel Noel Bonnarder,
1: of course, as well. Liam Driscoll, another one who maybe was a bit of a lesser light but has turned to be one of the the headlines mm-hmm. throughout this year. Um, Green Gully were, you know, the, the talk of the town in a way
0: that we haven't seen them be so heavily involved in the conversation for... Probably haven't had that much prominence since the famous comeback against Moreland City when they were not even a didn't even have a good season, but they just had the famous comeback. And that's yeah, the last so I, I, I really
1: though. liked I really liked who they went after, the kind of profile of the player that I they looked for, and I think, um, while I I, I sort of I'm going to contradict myself later when I took get to talk about what I sort of want them to improve, but I think quite a few of the players that they brought in um had very good. Individual seasons, like I thought, Yarrett Abatoo was particularly important for them. I really liked his involvement. Josh Hope as well. Um, Yanucci maybe to a lesser extent, and Banada Yeah, I'll get to get to talk about him later. But that's what I liked when they were in their off season. People were were turning their heads the way of Green Gully Reserve, mm. and it's it's not always the case that that
0: happens. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it was. I wouldn't call it a quote-unquote super team, but it was a very strong team that was, you know, ready to take that next step and really compete with the top sides in this NPL competition. Because look, I mean, last season they were 10th after 18 games and they did not have a good year in the in the 18 games that were able to, to get off the ground last season. So Stephen Downs had a big job ahead of him to turn things around. And he, well, did a, he did a great not job. Not even
1: mentioning as well, uh, Luke Adams as well, who also yeah, came absolutely. into the Gully no, side exciting. and thought yeah. had a good, good year too. Yeah,
0: and uh, they really had to turn things around. And that's what Stephen Downs has done. I mean, Stephen Downs has now been there for quite some time. He's seen them through the rocky periods, the successful periods. But, I mean, the last time they got a full season off, they also finished fourth. So, in the end, I think when you look at it, it's still a very, very good season. Considering yeah, no, you know, I, 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 abso- else, yeah. I absolutely
1: agree. And I just want to add um, one thing I was really impressed with from Gully this season and it does kind of lead into what I didn't like so much as well. So maybe I'll take the lead on, on that too. Uh, they were very good. While they weren't necessarily the forefront, the the foremost team that springs to mind when you think of defensive solidity mm. this season, it was more uh, Port Melbourne and, and South that sort of caught the headlines yeah. in that regard. Gully were, were pretty good, actually. They had a... Had a very solid back four, but when they got the lead in games, they were really, really hard to break down. Like, I don't think they coughed up a lead on too many occasions. They Mm. were very sort of solid defensively, um, and as I said, when they got ahead, they didn't often often cough it up, or they didn't often lose the game from an advantageous position. I guess that does feed into what they maybe didn't do quite as well this season, which was... Scoring goals, that's what I didn't like so much. They didn't get enough goals. Like, if yeah. you're a side that are so good at defending a lead once you've got it, you need to be getting that lead more often. Well, and they, as you pointed out to me earlier, Nick, scored, the I think, the least amount of goals in the, the top, top six, six at yeah. the end of the
0: season. Not a single player scored in double digits. Quite a few that were close. I mean, Jago scored nine, Bernardo seven, Salmon six, but no one pushed above that. Uh, like, and and let's be yeah.
1: honest, when you look at the, the, the quality... They of, should be, yeah. Of their full attacking, attack-minded recruits, it should have been better than that.
0: Absolutely. Um, the one thing I'm going to add to that in terms of something I didn't really like about Green Gully this year was their lack of discipline. Josh Hope and Jared Abateo are both having 10 yellow cards this season. Jego uh, and Bernada, 7. Alex Salmon, 6. Luke Adams, 5. Matt Crooks, 4. That's a lot of yellow cards, lock, man. Like, that is a lot to acquire, uh, to sort of accumulate throughout the season. So I know they're a very physical side green gully, but maybe looking to try and keep that in check a little bit more next season. Because I mean, when you get 10 yellow cards, like it's quite the suspension, two games, yeah. something you don't want to be getting at you know, potentially important parts of the season. Uh, but yeah, certainly the goals, you know, the, the, the amount of goals they were yielding from the quality they have was a very, very big disappointment. I mean, Alex Salmon did miss a lot of games, um, you know, probably didn't have the opportunity to to, I guess, go to that level, but and, and score in the same amount that he did has in years past. But I mean, all around they have other players that can that can help carry that slack and they didn't quite get it. Mm. Um moving on to player of the season, Lockie for me it was Luke Jago. I thought he was fantastic this year. I know that he won their golden boot, but in terms of what he was able to do with playing in other players and his work off the ball and, you know, being a creative sort of player as well, because he's not even sort of their main guy up top. He's sort of a a, a supporting cast in terms of someone who sort of buzzes around and acts as, as a 10 and whatever else. I think he was easily... Not easily, but I think he was Green Gully's best player this season.
1: Yeah, and I think he really flew under the radar, I think, in, in a lot of people's estimations of, like, who were the best players this season. I mean, you would never in a million years have picked Luke Jego to be Gully's leading scorer, Gully's top scorer at season's end. But I think that underestimation maybe in many ways worked to his favour this year because you think about the kind of player he is, the goals that he was able to score, uh, a lot of them, and then there's one the opener that he scored against Avondale I think in round 18 mm. that springs to my oddly specific anyway um he he's just sort of ghosting into the penalty area late like hovering around that edge of the box where he's able to to pull the trigger and and get an open look um you know you if players don't have you pegged for being someone who who does that who's got that sort of um in the locker if you'll forgive me for for using the phrase then you are going to be able to to get those sort of opportunities and when they did present he, as we can see from the stats uh absolutely took them i, I want to give a, an honorable mention to to Jared I, yep. I really was taken by his performances as a defensive midfielder this season i kind of misconstrued what kind of player he was and what i expected from him when he came down i had to adjust uh, my expectations quite quickly, but then ones I had, is he he delivered. He's a very sort of elegant. Um, while you know, as you've mentioned with the the discipline stuff, are yeah. uh, physically imposing yeah. to the point of maybe, you know, being too much so uh, at the at the base of midfield. I I liked what he did, but my player of the season is a uh,
0: is Liam Driscoll. Nice, yeah. I
1: like that. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Lopez was obviously the 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 goalkeeper of the season, uh, and I I'm not from in for even for a second going to say that that he was better than Harvey Lopez but I think if you the next next nearest uh the next nearest was Driscoll he had the the second best save percentage behind Harvey Lopez and it was a, it wasn't a million miles off uh he made a, a string of outstanding saves the the big keeper across a number of games I had the privilege of, of watching him play in this season and yeah for for a, a guy who's still a, a fairly young keeper to come down but he had a great, great debut year. Yeah, no, it was, was very, great. very valuable, particularly when it comes back to what I have seen before about defending leads. Yeah. Often, oftentimes, as was the case for South Melbourne, none more, none, no player in uh, terms of doing that is more important than your keeper, and he definitely did that.
0: Absolutely. Uh game of the season, Lockie. I'm going that round one three two win against Oakley. I mean, it's so, it's, it's a, it's, it's hard to forget. I mean. It's hard to forget, but it's also easy to forget because it was so long ago. I mean, that game was all the way back in February now. Um, but down two nil away against a team like Oakley, who had full contingent of players at that point of the season as well, and to come from behind and win that game three two was quite incredible. And it was a lot of the new it was three members, all three members of the Newcastle all scored that day. I mean, yeah, Josh Hope, uh, you know Gianluca Iannucci, and Noel Bernada. Um, the Anucci strike was particularly memorable, uh, but what a comeback it was and what a way to announce yourself on the new season as well, by getting a win like that against a team like Oakley, you know, straight off the bat first game of the season. Absolutely, And that was an incredible, incredible win.
1: And as I said before, they went into the season with all their, their transfer business with such hype and. When we we saw that game, we saw the come from behind, and as you mentioned, all those sort of new faces, the ones contributing mm. uh, to the to the goal math action. You thought, oh, they're gonna gonna deliver on this, and I guess they did to an extent. Maybe not quite in the way people would anticipate, but yeah, yeah. O- overall uh, a solid season. Now, best moment for me, uh, the elimination final. Now we had yep. uh, Josh Parrish come through on the the, big uh, the the YouTube comment section and say that he believes that's actually uh, Gully's first finals win of the NPL yeah, era I mean uh, unless you count the promotion relegation playoff yeah, final um, I guess that that's probably catching catching you out in a technicality but their first top six finals win that's great but also because um because it was a win over the greens and and Bentley beat them so comprehensively in their two head-to-head matchups. I think it was four nil at Green Gully reserve and then three nil. At, um, at Kingston Heath earlier yeah. in the year. Uh, Here was a side that just comprehensively outplayed them on the day, uh, got the opening goal and then just smacked them on the counter pretty much. They didn't have an answer for them. They really did not have an answer for them. And so you're going into the first week of the finals against a, a Bentley Greenside who, yes, had played a lot of football up to that point, but I guess so had Gully you're not exactly optimistic for Mm. even in the back of your mind. You're not thinking, wow, this is exactly who we want to, you know, play the the team who put seven passes across two meetings. But hey, they stood up and it was them who kept a clean shed in the day. They got a a, a two-nil win. They scored first, which was always going to be crucial in that encounter. And I think that would have given them a lot of hope. And to be honest with you, if they had to grab the opening goal against South Melbourne on that day, which I'm not necessarily saying they deserve, but if they did, we could have been talking about an, an Oakley Gully final.
0: That would have been something.
1: It would have been, would have
0: been something else. Um, burning question going into the new season, Lockie. For me, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one for me. It's fo- Stephen Downs. has got to find out how to best get the mo- how to get the most out of what he's got in that attacking third, and finding out what the right combination is. Is he going to have a fit Alex Salmon? Is Noel Bernardo going to stay on the pitch as well? Can he get Luke Jago as well and and find a way to fit them all in and get them all on the same page? It's a lot of talent. They'll get on that same page, Lockie. they got an attack right up there with the likes of, you know, we spoke about Oakley's attack last week and we've seen, you know, how I guess Avondale's attack when they've been at their best and we'll talk about them later, even Heidelberg's, um, how damaging it can be. But if Goalies fires and they all get on the same page, there's no reason why they can't be up there as well.
1: Yeah, and look, that's the that's the sort of similarly aligned to the question I've got written down here as well, which is can they get that that front line to to click? I mean, yeah, when you add Noel Bonata, uh coming off the back of uh, an eye-catching season, albeit a condensed one, for Nong Thunder to a former NPL Victoria golden boot in Alex Salmon, who I'm pretty sure had scored double digits in 2021... Um, in his own right, you're expecting to improve that goal tally, not have it sort of yeah hold the line. And oh, it's just such a weird one, you know, so, such a strange one because I know Alex Salmon had his sort of injury troubles this season and there was a lot of the time when Alex Salmon was out I sort of had the view that, oh, well, Bernardo is struggling because he's now sort of carrying the burden of this whole attack. And once Salmon's back, they'll be able to sort of share the load and that'll free them both up to do a little bit more and and link up with one another. And I saw that in flashes, but I just don't think those two ever quite clicked, even when they were together. Um, And maybe at times they're kind of, rather than feeding off one another... Uh, sort of got in each other's airspace. I mean, Alex Salmon, I think, scored twelve goals this season. Ah, uh, sorry, last season, and I think this year, albeit with the injuries, Bernada had six, mm. Salmon had seven, or I think might have yeah, been yeah. the other, w- uh, might have been, yeah. uh, might have been the other way They've around. So they pretty yeah. much split that sole contribution yeah. from Salmon uh, uh, across seven and s- six. Yeah. yeah. So I think they sort of split that contribution more or less across two players, and that really wasn't what they would have been expecting. They would have been expecting two players hit double digits and yeah so that, that that's the big work for them is how can we get these two players who are in their own right good individual players to to play together a, a bit better does it require a, a change in formation away from a three up top do we play two up front is there something else that we can do i'm not really sure yeah um you know is it going to work at all do we need to to shuffle some pieces around that's a whole another problem altogether i'm not really sure mm. but if they can find a way if there's a third player who needs to come in to be that point of difference to supply them in a different way um that's going to make a massive difference absolutely um cuz they've got they on paper this is a very good side yeah it's sure. a side with really good players um yeah, I just feel like this this team has got sort of more to give next year, especially not, going forward.
0: Not entirely living up to their potential, what they've actually got. Because they do, as you said, defensively, they're great. But just going forward, they lack a little bit of, you know, a bit of just something else. You know what I mean? Like they've got most things, but just when they're going forward, they need to get that connectivity in the final third. Uh, for me, if I'm going to give them a grade Lockie, I am going to give them a B plus this season. I think it's been a very successful year for Green Gully, winning a final, uh, coming so close to making a grand final as well. For me, B plus. Mm,
1: I've gone for, I've gone for a B, Hmm. leaning towards B minus, just because, I don't know. I I, I Look, I'm not, Involved in the the dealings at Green Gully Reserve, I don't know what expectations they would have set for themselves this season, but I know what the external external expectations were at the start of the mm. at the start of the season. They were pretty darn high. Yeah. And look, they finished fourth, and they finished fourth pretty comfortably. Yeah. But yeah, I just feel like there were maybe a, a few elements uh, that were expected of Gully that that weren't quite delivered on this season. That yeah. that said, the the Australia Cup run was um was good.
0: Uh, well, I guess no. I think they they under. I think they should have made the quarters. They that's choked. true. They, they, actually, they really no. That's in that, true. In that round of sixteen game, I think they'd be very disappointed they didn't get at least to the quarterfinals. No, you know okay. No, I, then, you know I stand what? corrected. And you know what? Like, let's like let's put it bluntly. Like, they beat Peninsula Power and up against Sydney United in the quarterfinals. Say so, I know Sydney United's in the final this weekend, but what's to say? Should have been, should have been me. That's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. It could have been Green Gully, waving the flag. Uh, admittedly, <laughs> that would not have been nearly as exciting. But, <laughs> but yes, I see. It have a point. been excited for us. What do you mean? It's an MPL Victoria team in the final. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's go to Bentley Greens, the other green. It's a very green kind of feeling around uh, at the moment. Uh, let's go to them. Fifth this season, twelve wins, six draws, eight losses. Snuck into the finals, but won the Doherty Cup. Uh, round a uh, quarter f- final, no, round of sixteen in the Australia Cup mm-hmm. after you know beating Broomeo Magic and then falling against Sydney FC, a very competitive game against Sydney FC, mind you. Uh, but obviously in the finals, fell two 0 to Green Gully. Nick Tolios out the door. Uh, they parted ways with him. They're on the lookout still for a new coach. Um, but before we get to the low lights, let's get to the things we liked. And for me, it was Bentley Green's never-say-die attitude. They were never quite out of a game, and they always found the way to finish games strong, pinched quite a few results in that manner. And the belief in that squad um, was unbelievable, which was really evident in that Doherty Cup final.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I put it even more specifically than that, but it, it links into the sort of broad ideals of, of, of what you've what you've put there. Um just the comeback in the, the Doherty Cup final mm. speaks exactly to to the heart of what you're saying. Um that game wasn't necessarily theirs to win. Oakley had the lead, but they just completed this uh this lightning quick turnaround yeah. and and upset upset Oakley at at Lakeside and, and turned what was maybe to that point a bit of a a rigid game in parts um, into a, a real sort of thrill, a nice yeah. final flourish, which yeah, I really really enjoyed. Um, and as has often been the case with with Bentley, I always enjoyed the the way that they played football and the versatility. They were they had quite mm. a deep squad. Yeah. Um, and as they needed because they had so many injuries, and they they filled a lot of gaps. Um, yeah. Throughout the year, the players who were asked to step up did step up in different parts. Mm. Like there was yeah. Like when it wasn't Mustafa, React stepped in and did a job when wearing was unavailable, one of them was able to fill in. Like that was really important for them. Um, yeah. And I think that uncompromising thing was also on display against uh, against Sydney, as you said before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of a low light for me, Lockie, I can't help but look at their run in the midst of around about, it was around the midway point of the season. I'm just getting up the numbers here. But there was a run they had where they just really started to struggle. They won only two ga- won three games out of a possible seven, but dropped a lot of points. Actually, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong. Sorry, here's the actual one. They won one out of seven games. And to go further than that, they won two out of a possible nine from a run from the end of April to the end of June. Now in that run, they lost against Oakley. They drew with Altona. They lost against Port Melbourne, drew with Avondale, lost to South, drew with Heidelberg, drew with St. Albans, drew with Hume, and only recorded wins against Dandy City and Melbourne Knights, which really set them back um, in the race for the top six. And obviously really pulled them back into the hut and they had to sort of go on a bit of a run after that, which they did to their credit. But some of those defeats, I mean, and dropping points at that stage of the season, I know they had injuries, but I think that was a bit of the low light, a bit of the, the, the period that I think Bentley Green's sort of plays would look at and go, in that period of time, I think that's where we kind of lost a bit of ground on the rest of the competition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the, the thing that
1: I sort of had is, was, as what I didn't like, which again, is interrelated to, to what you've just said. You're talking about a, a bunch of different injuries, um, specifically Pierce Waring's mm-hmm. injury. I mean, he was having such a great year. Uh, he hit yeah. eight goals. I think he still ended up as the leading scorer for for Bentley despite missing 10 games in the season, or I think nine games in the season as he hit eight in 16. Uh, only returned at the uh, at the elimination final stage, and you just wonder... Yes, I've, I've just praised their depth and said that other people have been able to fill in and do the job, but they were operating with players who are maybe like makeshift strikers, not necessarily first choice strikers. Like Riak, yes, he's got that um, incredible vertical leap that does make him suitable, and he's got the physical presence to be a line leading player, but I think he's more suited to being a winger and mm. Mustafa Drutus, who we saw experimented with a, with a runner, sort of like a false nine kind of player. None of them could quite do the job that Pierce wearing did. And if he had have stuck around, you might've thought that maybe, yeah, the greens might've been, I'm not saying a more competitive outfit, but might've been challenging for maybe even top three or top four, rather than just like battling to, mm. to get into the six. The other disappointment, I mean, it's, you know, a, a it was the best moment for for Gully. It's probably the worst for for Bentley. Like they yeah. they probably would have been, and maybe it was the weight of expectations. Maybe it was expecting to beat Gully. Um, they probably should have given their recent meetings with them, mm. but they didn't, and that that yeah yeah it sort of led the season or led started. It was the first step on the season, sort of ending in a,
0: a sour note with the eventual departure of, uh, of of Nick Tolios. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because they will timing their runs so well going into finals as well, it seemed like, okay, they're starting to hit their straps. And then, unfortunately for them, it just didn't work out. Uh, player of the season, Lockie. Now, I said before the show that I'd go ajak React, but I've actually changed mine. Special shout-out to Ajak-Riak, by the way. He had a great year. Mm. But I am going to go a little bit further back. I'm going to say George Lambadaridis. Just for the fact of how he filled in, not only as a six yeah. but also in the oh, heart like of defence, um, especially towards the end when Ben Carrigan missed a few games and he had to fill in alongside Jack Webster. I thought Len Badaritas did a really good job, um, and for me, I think he was their player of the season. Also, a shout out to Corey Sewell who did actually win the award. Um, he was quite solid in fullback this year as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I can. I, I just want to add to in terms of. Um in terms of moments, the return from injury, which you were oh, there yeah. for of, of of Christian Cavallo. what a time that was! Um, yeah, and and hope to see. We didn't see too much of him after that point as well. At a couple of weeks back in the side, and not as not didn't feature as consistently mm-hmm. after that point. Hopefully, we see more of him next year because he is great. And as you got to got the privilege to call it,
0: his uh, his return and his his goal on return. So yeah, that's his, his MPL return. I mean, the Australia Cup was when he made his. Yes, but we'll take the krillers The imp is the proper return. You know the the, yes. the crowning moment. Uh but
1: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with who Bentley voted as their player of the season and go for for Corey Sewell. Um, again with the with the injuries, with the amount of football, something that was really important for them was versatility, and we saw Corey Sewell drop into both that defensive midfield role where he was able to score like the uh, occasional goal alongside George Lambatterides. Mm. And uh, m- mostly this season, actually at fullback, which we've seen him play central defender before. I've seen him play in defensive midfield plenty of times and do a good job there. But he dropped into right back, and when it first happened, I was like, mm, you know, is that yeah. sort of the best use of his talents? Like, is it going to sort of lead to lead to a drop off? But no, credit to him, they dropped him into fullback. Um, you know, always going to be hard when you're opposite fullback as Jacob Alexander, someone who sets the standard in that position but he did a really good job and good enough to win their player of the season. And I think, you know, if you're good enough to win player of the year in a position, that's not your preferred, you must've had a pretty, pretty damn good, good season. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, game of the season for Bentley. I'm going to say that three, two win against Oakley on a Monday night. It was a really good turnout at Kingston Heath. Um, and really they, I know that again, I know Oakley had a lot of players out that day, but Bentley played on another level that evening. Um, and they will Coming off that Australia Cup win, they were playing with some confidence. And I'll tell you what, it was a great, great result for them. And as mentioned, the Christian Cavallo comeback in that game as well and scoring the sealer. Um, just a special night at Kingston Heath. I thought that was Bentley. It was probably their best win in terms of opponent this year. But uh, for me, that is their game of the season. Honourable mention
1: to their game they actually lost uh, against south melbourne at uh, at lakeside stadium i think yeah. it was 3-2 to south but just the quality yeah. of the goals in that game there was like three or four worldies i think um, yeah. in a single in a single game and they scored good goals throughout the um that that was probably another thing that i, I really liked cuz they just scored so many good goals <laughs> uh, anyway best moment it's got to be the dockerty cup final the yeah. come from behind the the pandemonium the mm. mustafa super substitution yep. or the super sub to end all super subs. It's, it's gotta be that. Uh, burning question, Nick. Who replaces
0: Nick Tolios? Yeah, It's, it's the, the only, que- it's the it's only is question. It's the only question. And then I guess, can they load up, you know, who stays, who can they bring in? And I guess, you know, what sort of philosophy is this new coach going to bring in with him? Because, you know, we've seen such champagne football and the Nick Tolios yeah. for the last little while. And, You'd love to see him continue to play that progressive style, considering we've spoken about it. This is a league that's very physical, likes to play very direct football. It'd be nice to see more teams putting the ball on the deck and playing proper proper football. Yeah,
1: and it's a burning question, not just because of the size of the shoes they have to fill in the form of someone like Nick Tolias, who you know, did win a Doherty Cup this yeah. season, did take the team to a competitive showing in the round of 16, but also it's a, it's a burning question because it's going to be a full-time coach.
0: Yeah, so a does lot that, of extra expect, expectation. Yes,
1: there. a lot of extra expectation. But then it really throws the door wide open as to who actually is suited to fit that role. Like, does that mean that the person they'll be targeting is someone who's sort of an assistant coach at A-League level, who's on the fringes of that sort of professional environment, maybe someone from overseas, maybe a coach in a Southeast Asian League? You know, because there might not be as many people while good coaches at NPL level who are prepared... To give up whatever they're doing mm. in
0: Outside, conjunction yeah.
1: with with their their football. So yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's captivating. Yeah, absolutely. It's as captivating a managerial yeah.
0: race uh, as as you could ever ever, ever um, hope to see. Grade for me B minus. Ooh, okay. Yeah, B plus. Okay. I don't know. I just thought that Doherty Cup really
1: yeah. added some lustre to the season. Yeah, I, and giving- I, I think it's easy to easy to focus a lot on the start. To the season, which was poor, or the end of the season with the departure of the coach, which was ugly. Um, and maybe those moments kind of overshadow what was a season yeah, of actually pretty solid I'm achievement.
0: Leading more towards that B minus. No, I understand. Because it's just the way it's all ended. So yeah. You're on a very sour note. Um, let's move on, Lockie. Let's speak about the Burgers. Heidelberg, uh, a weird season. To sum it up for Heidelberg, this was a weird, bloody season for Heidelberg. I mean, they started the season terribly. They went on a bit of a run. They looked like the team no one wanted to face going into finals because they were hitting their straps. They were playing some good football. And then after that Australia Cup loss against Brisbane Royal, they kind of just fell to bits a little bit. I mean, the loss against Green Gully, the loss against Avondale. They beat Eastern Lions on the final day at that crazy penalty shootout loss against Oakley. But it seemed like maybe it caught up with them a little bit towards the end because of all the chasing they had to do. I mean, they started the season. If you go right back to the start, Lockie, they started the season with two wins from their opening eight games. Two wins and six losses, though. This is not two wins and a few draws interspersed in their six losses, which included the big loss against South, a 4-0 loss at home against Andy Thunder, uh, the 1-0 loss against Bentley. Then they won back-to-back games against Oakley and Melbourne Knights. And he thought, okay, maybe things are back on track for them. But then home losses to Altona and St. Albans and Port Melbourne. They dropped a lot of points at the start of the year. They had to go chasing and they did that. They really were on a great run um, from May until the end, the start of July where they actually didn't lose a game in nine. Now, that's a pretty incredible run, which included those wins again against Oakley, the win at home against South Melbourne, uh, wins on the road against Andy Thunder. They, they were making up for lost ground. They, they snuck in. They had their hearts Ripped out of them as the grim reaper that Oakley is. It felt like it was the other way around the game. um, That it was Heidelberg was almost acting as if this, like, grim reaper to Oakley. Like, we're going to keep coming in the dying minutes of normal time. We're going to get you in extra time as well. Your goalkeeper's hurt, but we're going to get you on penalties. And to Oakley's credit, they got the job done in Heidelberg. Well, their season came to an end. Um, All up, Yeah. A strange bloody season for Heidelberg. I still can't believe that Sean Ellis scored that goal
1: to save them yeah. at the death. There was a pitch invasion from the Heidelberg fans, which I'm not, no problems with that whatsoever. But then Sean Ellis missed or had one of the, his penalties, his penalty was one of three saved. Yeah. That ended to them losing. Like, how would you feel having scored that goal? It is one of the most genuinely one of the most clutch moments in sport mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. One of the best games I've ever watched, not at NPL level, just like all time. Yeah. Like in terms of enjoyment factor. And still he went on to
0: have the penalty saved. It's just it's crazy. It's unbelievable. Um, um highlight for the year for me it was the, the turnaround. I guess that was yeah. the, the highlight. You know, uh, they 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 rallied. Uh, what did I? What did I like? Uh, well, the tongue-in-cheek response would be to say
1: uh, their generous offer of Olympic Village to host the NBA NBL- Victoria grand, grand, grand final. final. Uh, I very much appreciated that. I enjoyed the venue. I thought that the noise was great, and I preferred it to, well, considering the rain, what would have been the alternative, oh. which is a lot of a lot of wet South oh. uh, South well, and Oakley lucky, fans. I mean,
0: I'm not. I'm going to sound selfish here, but. I was still pretty wet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, not, I'm not giving that any air time. If you, if you didn't bring an umbrella, that's, oh, uh, well, that's yeah, on you. Uh, but what did I like in a serious sense? Um, well, I kind of talked about one of the elements earlier. Um, some of my favourite moments this season, when I, I'm picking it out of the memory recall, I can remember the noise of Heidelberg fans while it was happening. Mm. Um, they're fans, they're a, uh, a vivacious enthusiastic bunch and I think you know when they do get up into their voice and then in, in their numbers they can be really exciting and you always get to hear them on Olympic Village streams as well because of the broadcast position you're always underneath the grandstand their noise soundtracks so many exciting times yeah. throughout this year and I thought they really, not that they were the only great group of fans this year, but I thought they really added a lot. and uh, Australia Cup game as well. Yeah, exactly. The Australia Cup game too. Um, but fundamentally what I like most of all, their attack. Uh, it's easy to forget, yep. um, but their attack was the best outside of uh, South Melbourne and Oakley, I'm pretty yep. sure. They scored 50 goals for mm-hmm. the year, which was the the third best in the league. And I just love the way that their attackers played Kane Shepherd, someone who I... Uh, I'm expecting we'll talk about in a few moments when we get to best player of the season. Obviously, he was joint gold medalist, but I loved I loved the introduction of Josh Pin to this league as well. He took a bit of time to find his feet, but once the J Pin got going, he was um, He was really really yeah. good and added a, a a different element. Sean Ellis had that battle with injury, but once he got back to full fitness, he was brilliant as well. We talked about the free kick goal. He had some other good other brilliant ones mixed in there as well. the The win over Hume. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching them in, in full mm. flight, especially on the break. You always thought that they were going to score, yeah. and that's when their fans get behind them.
0: And also having uh, the petrados come in as well midway during the season, which did add another dimension to that attack. Uh, things I didn't like. The start of the season, Lockie. Start of the bloody season. Putting it bluntly, they really that really set them back. We spoke about Bentley's poor run, but I mean six points for a possible... What is that Uh, out of eight games? Six points out of possible 24 to start the season. That is nasty. Really nasty. And they were looking at that point gone. Like, I honestly thought, Jesus Christ, they couldn't get... They couldn't be in the relegation battle, could they? (laughs) Like, surely not. Um, But they found a way to turn things around to their credit. But just that starts the season. Because if they were just a little bit more consistent at the start of the year, Lockie, we could have been talking about a home final for them. They were only three points off Green Gully. Potentially even dare I say, are pushing for the top two as well. Mm. Maybe. That, that, yeah. that is 15. That is... No, 12, 12? No, that's 18 points dropped. 18 points dropped in the first not, uh, eight games of the season. That is that is a lot to make up. Yeah. Especially no. That, you got ambitions that Heidelberg do have.
1: That's fair. And a big part of what I didn't like this year, um, what I didn't expect this year, frankly, a big part of that uh, difficulty to, to start the season was their home form yeah. across that stretch. So you're talking about the the amount of points they dropped. They dropped so many of them uh, at home at Olympic village. The one place where you expect a side like Heidelberg with the raucous atmosphere. I said that they do bring both home and away with, um, with Berger fans. You expect that place to be uh, a fortress and it wasn't. They had one win in the opening six. I think it was against Oakley at who at that time had had a bit of a shaky start to the season. But in that stretch of, of, of one win, they also lost to Altona, they lost to St Albans at Olympic Village, and they drew with the Eastern Lions. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, these are just not things. The Eastern Lions. These are just not
1: things that uh, yeah. can happen if you want to be a, you know, be a, a, a top three or continue your sort of um, reign of dominance and and prevalence in in the competition. And they were really hamstrung by those games at home, which is absolutely the place. Somewhere that that you expect Burgers to maybe struggle or yeah. have a rough patch. It's it's on the road, but it was a, an Olympic Village that turned out to be their their enemy S- at the start of the season.
0: Seventeen points out of a possible thirty-nine from home this season. They mm. had the ninth best well, in a, the league, and, and even in the, even in, and even in the back half
1: of the year. The important games they had at Olympic Village, the game against Green Gully where both of them were coming off Australia Cup and a Mm. little bit gassed, they lost 2-1. And then the week after that, Avondale trying to keep their season alive at Olympic Village. Heidelberg pretty much, ultimately, Avondale didn't make the finals anyway, but could have put the nail in the coffin there and then, which I'm sure they would have loved to do. And they got
0: pelted by Avondale. Yeah, they did. They got spanked. Um, But to their credit, Heidelberg had the tie for the second best road record in the league. So only goal difference separated them and uh, Oakley and South, Oakley and South from Heidelberg in the. Well, the they States didn't. They the, didn't have much of a choice. Yeah. Like. So their form on the road was brilliant, but just at home, Jesus, it would have been nicer if they got a few more points at home just for their sake. Um, player of the season, it's quite simple, is it not? Kane Shepherd, um, gold medal winner. I mean, right up there for the Golden Boot this year. A really good season after returning from the land of A League men's. Um, a great pickup for them to lead the line. And this is an area for Heidelberg in the last two seasons. I know we didn't get a lot of football away in the last two seasons, but they struggled for goals. Last season, I mean, Owen Ashton, Luke and Ninkovic were two, they're two, Were they're t- tied top goal scorers. We have a tongue twister there with four goals apiece. But in years presiding that South, uh, South Heidelberg have always had someone scoring in double digits and in maybe even more than 20 goals a season. I mean, you're looking at, Dan Heffernan, Kenny Athew, Tom Cahill, Sean Ellis as well. They are known to have guys who score in large amounts, but they just didn't have that in the last two seasons. But this year, Kane Shepard's come in, he's fixed that for them, and he's been brilliant leading the line. And all around, just not even his work as a goal scorer, but just bringing other players into the game. I thought he was, in my opinion, right up there with Harry Sawyer as one of the best, probably... Close to Harry it being the best number nine in the league, not just because of the goals, but because of their what they could do when they had the ball at their feet.
1: Yeah, and I think I think in the end he probably had seven or eight assists, like he was in the twenty for score involvements for goals and assists combined, and he did it consistently over the course of the season. Like, he didn't go any longer than three games. He never really had, like, a prolonged drought. He didn't go any longer than three games without scoring. He only had one hat-trick and, like, no braces. So he was scoring just, like, goals throughout the course of the season. And, yeah, just you don't expect someone of his size and stature to be this, like, wonderfully incorporative player. But that's what he was. Like, he has – I really hate – that I'm about to say great touch for a big man but genuinely some of the, like some of those goals yeah. that he scored where he had a, a crossfield ball that he just plucked out of the sky and then put it away with his second or third touch i mean that is reflective of what he was this season just a really mm. cultured player who was able to score himself but also set up for other people to get involved and it speaks to the quality of the season that he had that Joe Knowles, who everyone was talking about, everyone was clamouring over, got his move to the A-League, scored against Leeds, obviously. In the eyes of the referees, he was as good a player yeah, this year. Yeah, th-
0: and honestly, I think there should be A-League that men's says clubs a lot. looking at Kane Shepherd. I think he's not done at a top level. That's a big call, but I genuinely think that as a short-term option or someone looking mm. to get someone in... Kane Shepard should be right at yeah, the front. Yeah, if you needed like an, an injury replacement some, yeah, or something. You need someone literally to come in just if it's you're desperate mid-season you need someone to come in Kane Shepard. You can do a lot worse.
1: Yeah, and and even if if that's not the case Nick, I'm it's the kind of player where you look at him and you're like if he doesn't make it into the into the A League and is not able to work it back because sometimes the A League is such that you can be a really good player at MPL level but there are certain things that aren't going to Allow you back in if you've maybe had enough chances, or you're just not the kind of player that an A-League team is looking for. There are myriad,
0: myriad factors that can well, work I mean, into it. He is now; he turns 29 in November. It's not like he's completely over the hill, and he and when he was at Newcastle, I mean, he only scored three goals, but I thought he was actually okay for them. Yeah, I thought he was a decent Agreed. player. He barely got in the pitch for Western United. I genuinely think that there is a lot more that he has to give in this game yeah. and, at and, a top and, top level. But even if he doesn't get that chance. Absolutely.
1: What I'm trying to say is
0: he's the kind of player
1: that makes me excited for a national second division. Oh, like You absolutely. think about the cream of the crop, making that step up into a national comp, and Kane Shepherd is almost, if he doesn't get back to the A-League, the first kind of player that I think of. I can't wait yeah. for someone like him to get his due reward yeah. at a national level, regardless of whether that's at the A-League or in a national second competition, because we deserve to celebrate more of these players who
0: are at this level, the top of the pops. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Lockie. Uh, Game of the season for Heidelberg, I'm gonna go that 2-1 win against South Melbourne, Olympic Village. Uh, the comeback, the last minute winner, the scenes, the jubilance. It was a great, great day at Olympic Village. And I mean, Ivan Franjic coming up in the 80th minutes to score the winner and in that come from behind win, Um, it really announced that South South Heidelberg were back and they meant business and they were right in with a chance to potentially, you know, get right into the finals race, which they did, Um, and to do it against a team like South Melbourne that we know this season didn't drop a lot of points, for me, that was their best game of the year. Yeah, and look, the
1: best game you want me to answer best game? The best game they were involved in was the elimination final uh, against Oakley. Oakley. That's an easy one. The best game they won, uh, it came a, a couple of weeks after that. It was round 17. I think it was the Queen's
0: birthday... Well, if holiday. They, if, it was against, if it was against Oakley, you do know it was a public holiday because they <laughs> love the public it was holiday the, game. It was the 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 Queen's birthday
1: public holiday. It was a Monday afternoon, four thirty kickoff. It was the two teams at the time in Heidelberg and Oakley who had the best sort of runs. They were both on massive unbeaten streaks, and you sort of had a lot of expectation for whoever went on to win that game. And they went down inside the opening 20, 20 minutes, and then just sort of. Roared back. They got an equaliser through Sean Ellis, a really well-taken goal. And then Josh Pinn and Kane Shepard in the second half just came flying out of the blocks, scored two in quick succession. And it was like this perfect counter-attacking smash-and-grab like Heidelberg moment. Mm. And their fans, again, they love travelling to Oakley, were right behind them. They made such a good noise. And, yeah, just one of my favourite games of of of, of yeah. this season. Yeah. Um, and yet they they ju- those two sides just seem to like playing at Jack Edwards. Absolutely.
0: Uh, grade for oh sorry, burning question before we get to the grade. Um, they got to sort out their defence. They really need to sort out their defence. Um, if they're going to play counter attacking football, they got to sort out exactly how they're going to play. You know, that defensive half because they were a bit leaky, especially towards the end of the season. I think that's a bit of a concern for Heidelberg. I think for me, that's the burning question. Um, whether they can get you know. They have such a good attack, but they just got to sort out what's happening on the other end of the pitch.
1: Yeah, I think the the list management maybe needs a bit of work. Like, they're just kind of... Very top-heavy.
0: Yeah, and not
1: only top-heavy, but, like, they signed a lot of players that just sort of, like, didn't necessarily always make sense. Like, they brought in someone like a Kazuki Okada, and it's just like, uh, why did you... I mean, to to an extent, in the mid-season window, like, they brought... Jonas Georgopoulos back. And both of them really mm. featured very scant um, yeah. times this season. And it's just, I don't know. there's maybe got a bit of fat that needs trimming in mm. that squad. And if they do get rid of some of that, does that free them up to bring in some sort of bigger names? Because I think the defence and defensive midfield could, could use some Beating some strengthening. Oh, yeah. And I think the other question is that, you know, if Ivan Franic is there next season, um, what position do they want to want to play him in?
0: What's his best position? Because I think I th- you just play him where he played as a bloody socceroo. Yeah, but I they know, played like
1: him in. They played him in midfield. They I played know. him at right back. I I think he's got to stay at right
0: back. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean, as I said, he bloody went to a World Cup starting as a right back. You make them. Yeah. Well, of I think that, I think know? I think Josh Josh um, Parrish
1: had some conspiracy theory that they were always worse when he played in in midfield yeah. and much better when he played in at right back. Yeah. So uh,
0: grade for the season, I'm giving them a b minus
1: uh now what grade did i give them i went b minus as well
0: okay uh last team before we wrap up avondale the mighty avondale who <laughs> really had a tough season uh, fell the bits didn't win the 2021 premiership the bespoke 2021 premiership uh they missed the finals 7th place who would have thought avondale not playing finals football but they did miss out on the final day as a result of that loss against south melbourne um, The highlight for me, <laughs> they had a really tough season. So to pick one is tough. Lockie, I think we're on the same page with this, but I just think the F- their Australia Cup form, I think is the one thing they can really salvage. But actually, no, no, actually, no, no. Now I just remember what I was actually going to say. The fact that Zoki Markovsky stuck to his guns. Mm. He stuck to his bloody guns, and I respect that. You know they were pillaged with injuries but he stuck playing that same brand of football which is so so dangerous to play if you don't have your best defensive and if you get counterattacked against but, and they could have easily gone their show and tried to play smash and grab football but the fact they kept trying to push teams and attack teams even with all those players out is a credit to him and sticking to his guns and I just respect that I really really respect that so yeah, for me that's that's the one.
1: No, you're right. They never they never compromised on their yeah. ideals and yeah, as as someone who does value uh style just as much as I as I value substance and results, uh, I'm always appreciative of someone who who sticks to their guns. I guess some would want us to, you know, countenance the the, you know, possibility or the the counter argument that that's maybe mm. Foolish when you're not getting results. But I don't think – but I, I actually do believe with Avondale the way they were playing this season was not the root cause of their slide. Oh,
0: absolutely like, I don't not. Think, no, no. I don't think
1: that was the issue. And I thought that that, un, or that refusal to 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 compromise on their beliefs and adapt the style to one that might have made things safer for them actually – worked to their benefit in what I really liked from them this season, which was another competitive Australia Cup performance against mm. an A-League side, taking Brisbane Raw two penalties. Of course, a Brisbane, they were ultimately rolled out of the Cup by Sydney United, but that was a really good game, uh, a really competitive game. They made that sort of late surge to get back in the contest and get an equaliser and send it to penalties. Um, it was really exciting, and, I mean, Charlie Austin was impressed, and I'm sure quite a few watching on at home, even though they probably would have admittedly been more
0: familiar with Avondale than Charlie Austin, uh, would have been impressed too. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that one. Um, But in terms of a low-light Lockie, where do you start? I think it's really the injuries. The fact they weren't able to get a full team out there for long enough, I think it's... I think it's just the fact that we didn't see enough of Avondale at full strength this season because I think if they were at full strength for longer, they would have been a certainty to play finals this season because they had some good results this year. They had some really good results this year. But the fact that they had a lot of guys missing, even in a very deep squad, um, I think ultimately that was a real it was a real big mountain for them to climb.
1: Yeah, I think what I didn't like to see was, I mean, the, the sort of... Yes, they did have that sort of charge towards the end of the season and there was hope that they would still make the finals. But There was just a lot of times this season where Avondale looked really like despondent, really not hopeless but just kind of shattered.
0: Yeah, the, by what the it, spirit was shattered. Yeah,
1: like I, I, I was there when they lost the chance to win that. 2021 title, losing to Port Melbourne in the regular season. And the players were just, like, mentally yeah. wrecked. And, look, there's an argument to, to suggest that, you know, that fair enough um, some mm-hmm. people don't necessarily agree with the decision to take it to a bespoke solution in the first place and maybe that's what l- listeners might not have liked. But, you know, the, it still would have really wrecked yeah. with the players Absolutely. mentally the, the season that they had, how far... <laughs> how far they fell, I nearly made a reference there that would have involved me swearing, so I didn't. Um, yeah, the, the sort of lack of hope that we saw at, at times throughout this season, other than the injuries, mm. really, I think, was um, was disappointing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the fact that it would have been weighing on them and they knew that if they lost, oh, my God, we're going to be the laughing stock of Victorian
1: Victoria mm. football. And, and because so often great. Avondale's, like, strength comes from the fact that, like, They don't, let's face it, they don't have a lot of support from outside. They're very like Avondale, but they take strength from their internal and they know that everyone's against us and that's kind of what gives us strength. We feed off it. It feels like this is the year where it all finally sort of got to them and and, and their Mm. armor uh, was sort of finally pierced, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It just, it's a tough year for them. Very tough year. Player of the season, we were debating this beforehand. It's so hard to pick one because of the amount of time so many players miss. But I'm going Christian Tricheski. He played basically every game this season. He was a fulcrum in the middle of the park for them. I thought he had a great season. Um, Yeah, just basically due to consistency, I really liked what I saw from him, even beyond the fact he just was out there. But when he was out there, he was very, very damaging. So um, (laughs) Tricheski for me. Well, he's almost like the player of the
1: season by default, default in the sense yeah. that he just was the only player who logged enough games to actually be in contention. I mean, I think I hate he, saying that
0: though, you almost feel bad saying, no, and
1: look, I don't want to take away. I don't want to take away the season that he had. I'm not saying that he played poorly, but he did play more games than, than, than any other, than any other player. I think two more than like the next nearest mm. outfielder. Um, So that, that's, that's, Significant, you know, two or three more, in some cases, even greater than that than many other players in the squad. But he did still have a have a good year, which I think was uh, overshadowed by the the poor performances of the team as a whole. I liked what we saw in patches from from Manny Agwek as well. I thought he was a pretty lively mm-hmm. presence up front. Obviously, grabbed six goals for the season in the league, a few more in the cup, a handful of assists too, and some pretty nice goals. So something yeah. that he might be able to um to to build on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, game of the season for Avondale. For me, if I'm to go right back, I'd say the win against Heidelberg towards the end of the season. They smashed them and they should have won that game by so much more. That was a sign of, all right, Avondale could actually do this. They could play finals this year and, geez, if they're on the same page, they're going to be a really, really hard team to beat if they get there. Fortunately, didn't Unfortunately, didn't work out for them, but, I mean... You know, they were they were devastating that day.
1: Yeah, I I think it's... I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I think it's hard to... Oh, actually, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Another another one of the contenders that I want to throw in. It was a game that you expected them to win, yeah. but I want to throw it into the mix because it was another contender. It was definitely in the top five, I think, for games of the season. Uh, the 4-3 win in round 17 oh, against yes, yes. Hume City and Blake mm. Carpenter scored that uh, goal in the 95th minute and I can still remember the 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 call from from Steve Curtin on the day where it's like he's done it Carpenter has mm. won it's it's such a good call such a good game where you know they sort of um Hume would take the lead Avondale would equalize. I mean they were they were two 0 down and they got back level then they went behind basically from kickoff mm. um Liston Diaz scored in the 69th minute then Josh Bingham in the, the 70th. Like it just ebbed and flowed mm. It was a seesawing game and in the end Avondale got the win and it was just like it's the it's the closest that we sort of came to that kind of classic Avondale game, I think, in terms of them ending up on the right side. Yeah. Like we saw them playing thrilling games, the Oakley-Avondale 6-2, the South Melbourne uh, comeback. You know, we saw those kind of games, um, but this was the one where they sort of got the win.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the burning question. Can they climb the mountain again? How much has this set them back? It's easy to say when they're fit next year that they're going to be right back up there, but we do anticipate there will be some players leaving. Who replaces them, but also when they're all there, can they get the same? Can Zocki Markovsky get them back up the mountain again? I I think he will. I think they'll play finals next year. I think Avondale, they won't regress them. I think they'll progress to their mean, and their mean is being a finals team. But... Considering that, expect all the, a lot of the teams beho- below them as well to improve as well, and the teams above them to also improve. It's going to be an interesting watch to see if Avondale can do it. As I said, I think they will. But yeah, I'm 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 very curious to see their off season.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it's the burning question for me has got to be who comes in. Um, part of that is, is informed by what I've sort of heard around the traps that there might be quite a few players on the way out and Avondale, we know they're a side who like to bring in the high profile, love to attract the the high quality and more often than not, they do. Um, but yeah, if, the, if the, the size of some of the players that we're expecting to maybe head out uh, at Avenger Park there are going to be some big gaps in that squad yeah. to fill, and I expect Avondale to fill them as they often do, like I said, with with quality. Yeah. So do they replicate? Do they improve the squad? Do they keep it at the same level? Because I think even if they keep it at the same level on paper, they will still rise back like they'll still yeah. rise back up.
0: Great. I feel like I'm D. shooting Bambi by saying yeah, a D. I don't feel There's, good about uh, saying D, I, but... I, I feel awful because they've had just such a wretched run, but, I mean, when you take it all into consideration, the fact they missed finals. Not even a pass. Seize the pass mark. It wasn't a pass for Avondale this year. Um, no, I mean, they
1: dropped six places yeah. in the league.
0: Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, you could almost
1: say it's worse than a D, some yeah. could argue. Maybe we're being nice. Yeah.
0: Well, Lockie, uh, that's that for tonight. Back it feels like a
1: sour today. note to end it on. It feels, like, it feels Avondale. sad. It feels like... D. like
0: well, next week's gonna get sadder because we're talking a lot about teams that finish below them. So that meme of the guy, to... like
1: holding the gangster who's like holding Wesley, the gun, yeah, is like the Wes, tears and just
0: snipes with the gun, yeah, <laughs> streaming down like his like eyes. Jeez, when we have to talk <laughs> about like Dandy Thunder and you know Altona and Eastern. Hey, League. I'm we, gonna be really nice when, to Dandy When and we Thunder. talk about Al, the, sorry, Eastern Lions, it's gonna literally feel horrible, like because. It's going to be like, again, shooting Ben. No, I'm
1: going to give Eastern Lions a C. I had low expectations. <laughs> they delivered on my low expectations, um, you know.
0: Let's wrap from here. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll go through the rest of the NPL Victoria teams. Any other news that comes through, transfers, yes. coaching appointments, we'll be all over that. And we'll have some more announcements in the days to follow as well. But for myself, Nick Tobano, and Lockie Fine, you can miss any of it, head over to our podcast platforms. It will all be up after the show. But uh, we'll be back again next week for more on the NPL Victoria pod.